we are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is Creator Corner. The creator that I cornered this episode is Marcuson Nasso, in case you uh, didn't read the description. Uh, Marcuson is known for his work on Voracious from Action Lab Comics. If you're into dinosaurs, this is your fucking book, man. Uh, the, the, the conversation was great. I can't wait to get into it with you guys. I really can't. I think you're going to really enjoy this. This guy, he's, uh, he's got something here. He's got something. A bright, bright future ahead of him. And, uh, I, I mean, fucking voracious is, uh, just under, a little over 500 pages around there between the three volumes that's out so far. So, the, the guy, he's, he can write a freaking story, man, and make it go. That's for sure. So, uh, before we dive into that conversation, i got to remind you all to support those that support this podcast, and by that I mean... Listen to me read an ad. So, uh, Hooked on Comics. Hooked on Comics. I know that, you know, stores are getting ready to slowly start opening up, but that should not keep you from hitting up these auctions, man. These auctions are great, and Hooked on Comics, who's ahead of the game, they know what's up. So join Hooked on Comics on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays 7 p.m. Eastern on NSCLiveTV.com, the Hooked on Comics Facebook group, and the Cheers to Comics Facebook group. You can find them in all those places, maybe even more. They didn't tell me about those places, though. So, uh, yeah, once again, Hooked on Comics for all your great auction action, your walls of slabs and your bin rooms and what have you, and your goofy hats. Can't forget John's goofy hats. So, Tuesdays, 6, Saturdays, 7, Eastern Time. All right. Um, yeah, without further ado, let's dive right into a pretty awesome interview with Marcus Nasso himself. Marcus Nasso, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the cast, Brian. Um, I'm happy to have you on. I am. I've, uh... I've been busy talking with a lot of people, and I'm always I, I, I'm always fascinated getting uh, work sent to me that I'm not familiar with. Maybe just missed my radar, and Voracious seems like something right up my alley, so I have no problem scheduling this. I, I'm, I'm, I actually had the chance to read it. I always wait to read the, uh, the, the works that I'm not familiar with as close to the recording session as possible, so I have everything fresh and juicy in my head, and I could really talk about it man so uh yeah thanks for coming on marcus on yeah thanks for having me again certainly um so i gotta know i mean these are i i, I gotta do the cliche thing and say weird times but uh as a comic creator how's the the corona effect affecting you right now it actually doesn't affect me that much to be honest because uh i've been a freelance writer and illustrator for about seven years so i'm used to being home and um, I do a bunch of podcasts, too, so I'm used to talking to people uh, from uh, long distance. So, gotcha. I mean, uh, it actually is kind of nice because my wife is home working, so I get to see her a little bit more. She works long hours, usually, at the office, so that's kind of been a treat for me. Um, right I do on. live in Hawaii, and I moved here just a few months ago, so that's kind of kind of sucks. I can't go out and do some of the things um, in Hawaii, because a lot of great outdoor activities, a lot of water activities, hiking and stuff like that. But we'll get back to it. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's good to know that you're not one of the uh, the creators out there that have had work paused on them and lost a paycheck. I mean, that that is the case, right? You haven't had any work canceled on you? I have not, not yet, no. I, I have, I'm waiting for that shoe to drop because usually the first thing to go would be freelance work. But um, I've had some clients for a number of years and uh, the work's been steady so far. Good. That's good. What about, how are things going for you? Oh, I mean, I'm busier than ever. It's, I did definitely have to make some adjusting, having a comic book podcast that revolves around new books and not having new books to talk about. But mm. that opened some avenues for a lot of creators that had a, a now have a couple extra minutes on their hands. So filling that space with some really quality interviews and stuff. So, yeah, here we are, one of them. <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's, if anything, it's it's given me. It's kind of. I guess it's kind of a nice break in a shitty way of saying it. I don't have to read thirty books this week or last week. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm catching yeah. up on a lot of books. So I don't yeah. read as many comics as I used to, but uh, I definitely have a backlog of books. So uh, it's nice to read whole runs, and um, I have a lot of digital comics and print comics that I have to get through. So that's kind of been fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have got to crack into what I call my apocalypse stack, you know, for the, <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't think I'd be cracking into this for years to come, to be honest, but yeah, it's given me the opportunity to catch up on a few things every once in a while. I stash things to the side for a rainy day, and it's been raining for a few weeks now, it seems, so yeah, I guess it's, it has its, its, its silver linings, I guess, but I would rather just... Uh, I like to save run sometimes and just read them all at once anyways uh yeah. but sometimes it gets away from you like i have yeah. every issue of monstrous i haven't read one issue yeah see that's the dangerous thing you could say okay i'm just gonna wait and then eventually that that, that last issue comes and you're like all right well now's the time it's done what's what are you waiting for and then you just realize that oh well now it's now it's 30 issues that's a lot and or you know whatever the whatever the situation may be. So no, I understand. Uh, <laughs> doing that backlog reading, it could it could be dangerous, but at the same time, it's it's nice to have in these in these times. Um, well, uh, so I before we dive too much into your work specifically, you know, uh, voracious. I kind of you know I like to make sure that the listeners get a, a more of a. An in-depth scoop of your brain, man. I mean, I, 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 I admire creators. I really do. I think it, it takes a really special mind to, uh, for one, want to make a comic because we all know that there's no money in it and it's hard to do. Uh, and, and at the same time, you know, I mean, these ideas that could be, uh, you know, relayed in comics most of the time, or a lot of the times, can't be depicted anywhere else. So the only way we're going to get these versions of these stories and be able to see them in some way is through comics. So I find this medium very special, and uh, even more special the people that create it. So I like to make sure that the, the, the creators or the listeners get a, a real in-depth what's happening in those minds so i gotta know i mean where where does where does history the comics start in your history in your timeline what, what part of your life does that start to to weave its way in uh when i first started reading comics you mean uh, yeah um i i'd say well i think i had comics when i was really young maybe around five or six but i don't think i really started collecting comics or being serious about it till about 12 years old okay what made you serious about it well, I was in the mall one day with my mom, actually, and uh, we were walking by a bookstore, and there was a Batman issue in the window, and it was Batman 431. And uh, I saw that, and it's it's an amazing image uh, by George Pratt, and Batman's hanging upside down from this gnarly tree in a silhouette. And uh, I, I have to go in here and check this out. And so I picked up the book in the bookstore and uh, read it, and it was written by James Owsley, who goes by uh, Priest, Christopher Priest mm -hmm. now. And um, I loved, I loved the issue. It was about Batman going on the Himalayas and learning this secret uh, killing technique. Not so he could kill, but just because he needed the knowledge. He wanted to know the knowledge of how to do things. And um, after that, I was like, Mom, I need to go to a comic shop and find more of these. So she took me to a place called Captain Comics. I... 
I grew up in Liverpool, New York, which is a suburb of Syracuse. And uh, then I went to Captain Comics and picked up uh, X-Men. I think Wolverine number one was out at the time, Daredevil 265, and Ascenti's run on Daredevil. So that's how I got started and never looked back. Nice, man. So Batman was really essentially your foot in the door as far as taking it seriously. It was, yeah. And actually, last year, I got to meet Christopher Priest, and I brought him that issue Mm -hmm. and told him, you know, thank you, because uh, it was your writing and, of course, the art of uh, Jim Apparel that really got me into comics. You know, without seeing that um, and reading that, I I don't think I'd be uh, doing what I'm doing today. I don't think I would have the same outlook on life. I don't think I have the same hobbies. So, um, and he was, he was shocked because <laughs> he hadn't seen that issue in a long time, you know, cause it came out the eighties. Yeah, man. And, yeah. uh, he actually, he actually signed it to uh, Jim Owsley, which is pretty oh, cool. So it was a nice moment. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it just see, these are the things that I love to, to hear on this show because I think everybody has their own, uh, story when it comes to really falling in love with this with this medium. I mean, and it's really something that I I think you have to be in love with. It's not. I I don't see comics as a side chick at all. I I really don't. I, it's it's and to have those stories like that. It's it's an amazing thing. I I think comics once you fall into it, it will change your life in one way or another. Some you know more drastic than others, but. To say I don't think I'd be where I am now without walking by that mall window and seeing Batman 431 that day, it's a big moment, man. It really is. I I really don't think I would be a writer. I don't think I would have the same brain chemistry without comics, to be uh, uh, honest. I don't think I would have the same outlook or uh, on people or life without comic books. You know, comic books like X-Men from Chris Claremont, which taught a lot about tolerance and... Um, accepting people of other races and cultures, you know, was a was a big thing back then. I think uh, you learn lessons that you might not have. Uh, my parents are really progressive people, but you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who might stumble onto that and then and learn something that they, they didn't know. And uh, just the way people write stories too, you know, definitely something that was implanted in my brain. And when I started writing you know not just comics but any writing i was influenced by you know what i read in the past that's awesome man uh yeah and you're and there's there's no doubt that what we read will eventually influence in some way shape or form uh but uh, to what level you may not even really even know but uh, at the same end of the spectrum <laughs> life-changing gotta love it uh, so Christopher Priest. Now, what about? Uh, so after reading Voracious, I realized, okay, this this guy's a funny guy. He knows how to, he knows how to make somebody laugh. Uh, I mean, was there any uh, comedic writers that you, that you that you found to be influential, or was it some uh, comedy outside of comics that influenced your way of writing? Because obviously, you do have a knack for comedy. It's a part of you. Yeah, I mean, I well, the biggest influence comic-wise for me would be Peter David, <laughs> who wrote The Hulk for 12 years. So, yes. you know, if people don't know who Peter David is, they probably do because they're comic people. But he's kind of like the Joss Whedon of comics before Joss Whedon even came out, where he does a lot of uh, really good jokes, but he also has great drama, really good character writer. Um, he can just switch the tone at any time and so that was something i really appreciated in comics i just thought that he's such a versatile writer and able to do so much with the characters and especially the hulk who you know when i first came in it's like oh yeah he's a big green guy who smashes things although actually at the time i think he was gray when i first started reading him he's uh, joe fix it uh yeah yeah which is great i love that run but yeah so uh but the way he handled humor, especially in the way that the characters um, talk to each other, I really uh, liked. I think that's something that I guess I didn't really set out to do that when I started writing comics, but it just came out naturally. And uh, I think it comes out in the conversations I have with friends as well. Uh, and Peter David was really good at that. It made you feel like you knew those people 
that you were friends with them and that uh, you you cared about what happened to them. And so um, all of those elements, the the humor and the drama, I think really stem from Peter David, but you know a lot of other writers um, contributed to to the way my brain chemistry works along mm-hmm. the way, I think. Mm-hmm. And Ascenti was a really big one for me, even though she wasn't um, necessarily a humor writer. Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. I mean, what a what a variety of influences, and it just goes to show that with with that with that stem, that spine, as far as your you know the way your creativity works, and you know, and you being so so young into the industry, I mean, you have voracious, you have three vor- volumes of voracious. I mean, you have over five hundred pages out. Don't get me wrong. I mean, <laughs> you 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 you've really put a lot into Voracious, and then you've done uh, Never Alone after that, right? Uh, so tell me a little bit about Never Alone before we really dive into Voracious. Oh, that's well, that's interesting. No one's ever asked me about that little one. I did so, my research. Uh, thanks for finding it. <laughs> <laughs> I did my research. Well, Never Alone actually came out before Voracious. Um, mm-hmm. The way that worked is that. Uh, my artist, Jason Muir, and I, uh, we needed to find a colorist. And uh, that was tough for Voracious in the, in the beginning. Um, and we found this guy, uh, Andre Tabakaru, and uh, he, uh, we gave him um, these pages. He wrote this, this short eight-page story that's a, for a horror anthology that, that came out in um, – it's an Irish anthology. I believe it's called Lightning Strikes – or lightning strike or something like that. And um, so I saw the call for that. I was like, oh, this would be cool to do a short little run, and then we could use it as a way to test Andre or any other colorist, to be to be honest. So we sent it to him, and, and he killed on it. I just loved the, the moody lighting that he put into that, and um, it was just very professional. We had some issues with the colorists who just weren't professional or not turning things in when they should have. So uh, Andre was easy to work with, you know, any notes we had, he just, he loved getting notes because he wanted to become better because he'd only done a few comics. Uh, he's from R- Romania. And oh, yeah. uh, so he'd only done a few comics in Romania. And uh, so that's how that came about, but never alone. I don't know, just an idea I had for short stories. They say that when you try to break in a comic, you're supposed to do really small tales which uh, I kind of ignored <laughs> with Voracious because when I pitched it, uh, it was for a long-form story, and you know we didn't even know if we were going to actually be able to, to finish it. But uh, we were, thanks to all the readers who supported us on it and, uh, and all the amazing reviews we got. But um, So, yeah, they say to do short stories like uh, eight pages, you know, do anthologies, do a small mini-series or a one-shot or something like that, so... It's like, well, I'll try to do a couple of those. I only ended up doing that one, but I think it's a pretty, pretty good little uh, horror tale. It's uh, it's up for free on my my website, uh, marcasan.com. It's M A R K I S A N for anybody that wants to read it. But uh, it's got a little surprise twist ending to it. Oh, I like it. Well, okay, so now I have to ask. I mean, uh, who influenced you as far as your 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 way of horror writing? I mean, are you a horror movie buff or? I mean, was there was there another writer out there that just scared the shit out of you in comics one day and said, "I like that"? Um, not particularly a horror writer in comics, but I'm a big uh, novel reader. So when I was okay. growing up, I read a lot of Stephen King. All right, uh, it was probably my prime. Uh, I guess yeah, probably the one I read the most, Stephen King stuff. And uh, I I love horror movies. I actually just did a. A Metalheads podcast. I'm a, I'm a host on a podcast called The Metalheads, and uh, we just we always do top fives whenever we have uh, people on the show that we're interviewing, and we did top five favorite horror stories, and so uh, I had some movies in there, and my number one actually was Alien. Dude, uh, okay, we just celebrated Alien Day too as we record this podcast. So, uh, no, it's it's. I, I fucking love that movie, man. I, I got my little five-year-old. She everything's xenomorph to her. She loves the xenomorphs. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a big sci-fi uh, guy. So if you mix the horror and sci-fi, and even Voracious, my book is a sci-fi book, even though there's a lot of other things going on in it. But um, but yeah, I love I love that idea of you know you're in space. There's not really anywhere to go, especially if you're on a remote <laughs> planet or on a ship. Uh, I just love that that concept, and Alien did it perfectly. 
and the special effects and everything, man, it holds up. They didn't have any CGI back then. Everything was suits and models. And and, and, yep. The art of H.R. Giger was one of my all-time favorite artists. So, um, yeah, it's just perfect. You know, it introduced a, a great female heroine as well, which you didn't have a lot of uh, back then. So, Oh, yeah, and I... I... Yeah, no, you're I, you, I, you hit every single nail on the head, and there's probably even a couple more to be honest. But the ti- the hammers wore out because it's just the perfect, you know, it's the perfect thing. It's the perfect piece of influence on so many levels. Uh, character design, uh, I mean everything, everything. I'm not gonna rename everything you just said, but scary <laughs> as hell, man. The the, the face huggers and everything. It's just it's really tense. You don't even see the alien to what maybe halfway through. Yeah. So it's it's quite gripping. Yeah, and like I said, I'm I, my my little five year old. She loves watching it. She you know she puts her hands over her eyes, but she can't wait to get to that point where she gets to put her hands over her eyes. And you know, <laughs> it's, it's 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 perfect. I wouldn't say by any means it's all ages, but uh, I mean it can be, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, um, I don't think I'm particularly interest. Um, I don't think there's a lot of horror writers that really. Um, I look to as influence, but uh, I just like horror. So, you know, when I'm writing comics, I hopefully I get to try a lot of different genres over the. Well, and I, I don't think there's enough people that attempt horror properly. Or I mean, I mean, it's just it's it's a hard thing to do because you know horror so much to, to deliver properly it, it uh, relies on uh, sound to and what you, you don't get in a comic and at the same time you know jump scares in a lot of ways and you don't get jump scares in comics i mean i don't care how grave great of an artist you are i don't think i've ever gone oh shit <laughs> you know like it's uh, <laughs> uh well it depends sometimes it's really unsettling because uh, if, if you ever read uh, uzumaki by junji ito well Unsettling is a whole different level of horror deliverance that you could bring. And to, I mean, that's that, that's different, and, that, and that's the way that you really have to go to deliver horror via comics. It's like, I mean, uh, Ice Cream Man. Every panel is unsettling. All all of my favorite horror books out there are just unsettling because, like you said, you can't rely on uh, the 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 music and a score driving you through, and you know, essentially a jump scare. But you could definitely rely on you know uh, gore and you know, like I said being unsettled so um yeah i dig it man i dig it so i i've i've got your your horror influences coming from essentially outside of comics and then peter david spark and the funny and christopher priest really just being the backbone of it all now uh how does how does voracious come about this is your big breakout book um i mean is this happening while you're uh, you know working as an editor because i guess we have to mention that I mean, you you do have a bit of a background in comics outside of writing, right? I mean, you you, you edited for like Warren Ellis and Grant Morrison to name drop. <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't write those books. They're they're books from a Sequard organization, so they're they're um, they're kind of like academic books that uh, take a look at uh, Grant Morrison's writing and Warren Ellis's writing. Um, they have done movies as well. Um, where they uh, spotlight Grant Morrison, they spotlight Chris Claremont, Warren Ellis, which is gotcha. cool. So, um, yeah, no, I really like doing that. No, I've been an editor since I was, since college. So um, I used to work for the American Library Association. I was in charge of different publications for for them, and I just moved out of that. I just got tired of working in the office, and I wanted to do more creative things. So that's why I started doing freelance and. Uh, how voracious came about uh well for those who don't know voracious is about a chef travels through time kills dinosaurs and serves them at a restaurant in the present Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but but it's also really a commentary on loss and how you uh handle loss it just happens that our lead character nate wilner he deals with loss by making dinosaur sandwiches but all of the characters in the book suffer some kind of loss and um, their lives, their journeys intersect and parallel each other in it. Um, but the way it started was um, I had the idea for Voracious a long, long time ago. And I was at a party, and a friend of mine asked me that age-old question, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? So what would you choose, Brian, if I asked you that question? 
Uh, the ability to manipulate sound. Sound? Interesting. So you're like claw then. Uh, yeah, yeah. More than anything, I just, I would, I just, if somebody were talking too much, I just want to be able to, like, not hear it. <laughs> but, I mean, you could go in all different directions with that. But more than anything, I would use it in the most piddly way possible, and, like, you know, no one wants to be talked to while they're taking a piss in a public bathroom. You're standing at a urinal, and someone just tells... I would just zip, <laughs> and I wouldn't have to hear that. <laughs> okay, that's the first time I've ever heard that. Well, I said that I would want the power to manipulate all time and space because I could go forward in the future and then get the power that you're describing. I could go back in the past, win the lottery, um, you know. But the first thing I told my friend I would do is I would go back in time and make a dinosaur sandwich. And so we had a good laugh at that, but I wrote it down in a notebook. And, you know, years and years went by, and uh, I went to uh, – um, convention called Morrison Con, which was uh, focused on the works of Grant Morrison, and it was in Las Vegas, and uh, it was the best convention I've ever been to because it's not like a typical con typical convention where you go there and they promote what's coming up. And um, this convention was about creativity, so they had different guests there, like Jason Aaron, and um, they would do panels where they would talk about actually like developing comics. And you would be able to hang out with them and play games with them. And they had an after party where you could like dance with Grant Morrison. And it was awesome. I, I make my own mead, which is a, like a honey wine. And um, I gave it to Jason Aaron right before he debuted on Thor. And I told him, you've got to put mead in the book. He had never had it before. So I like to think that uh, uh, the reason mead is such a prominent player in that book is because i gave jason aaron my mead well i've i'm gonna have to thank you because i've been reading jason aaron's thor i mean jason aaron's top my top three favorite writers of all time so yeah he's awesome. uh, I'll let me thank you as a fan <laughs> <laughs> well thanks brian yeah no he's a great guy you know um he actually when i was talking about thor because I, I love that character so much he uh, he gave me his card and he's like you know you want to chat about thor and if you want to talk about the history of Thor, I'd love to do that because, uh, you know, I want to try to um, uh, honor things that happened in the past with the book. So, yeah, that was really cool. I just love that convention so much. And um, I love the idea that it was just focused in, around creativity, celebrating creation and just getting people to be motivated to do something. And um, they did an anthology book. Some of the attendees that came there, they did an anthology book um, based on that convention. I did not contribute to it, but uh, the idea behind it was something that really got to me, something that spoke to me. And so I'm like, you know what? Now's a good time to maybe try doing a comic book. I had tried in the past, and I had some artists, and they kind of flaked out on me. And so I was like, uh, I'll try again another time. Plus, you know, work gets in the way when you're working nine to five. Sometimes it's hard to do all those creative things. Um, but I was in a place in my life where I needed a little bit more creativity. So mm -hmm. that's when I went back into the notebook and I found that idea. And I found some other ideas and I started working on them. And um, then I had to find an artist. And, and that's like a whole other story as well. Let's talk about that. How the hell did you find Jason Murr? Because this dude is so perfect for this, this writing style, man. Um, oftentimes I find myself, you know, I'll go, I'll get a great premise for a book and it's done by an indie creator, creative team that essentially, you know, I haven't necessarily heard of or doesn't have a huge back history to, you know, to track down. And then, you know, it'd be a, either a great story or, and just the, it's like the, uh, the writer took the first artist that said yes, or vice versa. Um, with this, this is not the case. Um, the, the art is crispy all the way through. Um, how the f hell did you find Jason Murr? <laughs> well, um, I live in Honolulu right now, but I lived in Chicago for about 20 years, and I moved there oh, wow. from Syracuse, New York. And so when I moved to Chicago, I guess 2000 it was, first thing I got to do, right, Brian, I got to find a comic shop. I need a comic shop so I can get my fix every week. And uh, so I found uh, Graham Cracker Comics, and uh, Jason was working in that that shop. And he was like 15 years old, 16 or something. He was Whoa. pretty young. 
And uh, so uh, we weren't really friends back then, but he, he was an artist. And so he wanted to go to school to become an artist. And um, there was a contest online to write a script based on The Authority, which is like one of my yeah. all-time favorite Warren Ellis, Brian Hitch works. And um, so I won that contest writing a script for The Authority, and I gave the script to Jason because, you know, he's really into comic books. That's what he wants to do. And he drew a few of the pages from the comic book, and, you know, they were, they were all right. You know, he's young. <laughs> he's just right. like right before he went to college. So fast forward about 10 years, he goes off to college. I moved closer to the city because uh, I was out in the suburbs when I first found that comic book place. And uh, a friend of ours, the guy who actually ran that shop, who employed Jason, his name was Bobby. He had an idea for a comic book, and he asked me to work on it with, uh, with another guy. And so we were spitballing ideas, and I think I just had a different take on what the story should be. And we just couldn't, we couldn't find common ground on it. So I said, Bobby, you know, you, you can just take this book, your idea. You know, if you want me to give you suggestions, that's fine. But I don't think three writers really works on a book. But in that process, he was still in touch with Jason. And so he would send Jason some ideas to draw concept art for the characters that he was envisioning. And so mm-hmm. I saw some of that concept art and it was really good. It was a lot better than what he had done, uh, you know, when he was, 17 so after that fell apart and then i think bobby just didn't pursue it i contacted jason i said hey you know um i know we haven't talked in a long time but i saw your art i know this project's not taken off but i do have a few other ideas do you want to meet up and have lunch and uh, we can talk about them so i drove out to to see him and uh, we had lunch and some beers and i pitched him a few ideas but the one that we really both wanted to do was voracious and uh so that's how that started and uh, jason was also getting tired of doing you know regular nine to five job and so he wanted to do freelance and try to make a go out of it for uh, art for comics but the cool thing is that i had those old pages that he did of the authority and that i'd saved all those years and i gave it back to him and he was just didn't even remember doing him wow. and he was shocked so um, and that's the best part. Like that was the start of uh, us working on the book, but it's also really the start of us being friends. And that's what I really like most about Voracious. Hopefully, it comes out. People say it does. That our love for that series really comes out in the book. And it's because Jason and I just—I mean—we would spend time just talking about the story and working on it together. You know, he wasn't just the artist in the book. You know, he—he's a guy who was an equal partner. Um, creator of the book and uh, all of the, you know, I came up with all the, the basic ideas, but Jason threw some stuff in there. You know, we worked on the designs together. We, we did everything together and uh, a lot of balances and checks, you know, when he would do art, you know, I would look at him like, ah, this might not work. Or when I would send him the script, same thing. So um, I love working with that guy and he's just super professional and his artwork has, grown leaps and bounds from that first book he hates looking at that first volume but uh yeah if you look at the first volume compared to the third volume it's just it's amazing how much he's progressed as a as an artist and andre andre too as a colorist because you know he was pretty new to it as well i thought they were both really good but um now i think they're just on another level and and i remember early on when i started working on that book and there were people said to me, like, ah, you know, the book's really good. The concept's good. But you might need to find, like, another artist. I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. You know, I think Jason's the one for this, the way he does facial expressions, his dedication, how much he loves it, you know, and just the close working relationship we had. And now, you know, he's getting all kinds of uh, work in comics. So yeah, I, I expect him to uh, get stolen away from a project of mine any day now, so. Oh man! I mean, do you do you have? Uh, I mean, admittedly, I haven't gone through all 
all three volumes of Voracious yet, but uh, I mean, I don't know if it has a hard ending at the vol or at the end of volume three or not. But do you have plans to continue on with Voracious, or are you holding Jason to a new project? <laughs> uh, Jason and I have been working on a few new projects, actually. Oh, right on. So no, we're not. Con- Voracious has an ending. It was conceived okay. as being three volumes. However, um, you, I could definitely branch off and do other stories. In fact, in the last issue in the letters page, I mentioned two of the stories that I would like to do and that I've already kind of mapped out. Oh, right on. So when you get there, you'll, you'll see, you'll see uh, what, what I have planned. So I don't know if we'll get back to that. We want to do some other things, try something else. So we've got a fantasy book that... We started pitching before coronavirus. Well, here's something that has affected me pretty, pretty big in the coronavirus is pitching, because okay. uh, we pitched a couple companies. We were going to send it out to a whole bunch, but you know, a lot of companies we don't know if they're going to survive, yeah. and I don't think they're really looking at new pitches right now. You know, unless it's like a superstar who comes in and they know they can sell right. that, but. So, um, you know, we haven't gotten a lot of feedback on it, and we only pitched a couple companies, but. You know, I've asked a couple other companies, and the some of the people that were in charge of uh, the submissions are furloughed. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a little tougher now to pitch. So, I'm kind of holding off on uh, some of these pitches until things pick up again, and and hopefully these these com companies are will, will still be around. Some of those mid level, lower level comic companies, because you know that's what we have to pitch to. You know, maybe we could get into Image or something like that, but. Chances are, you know, we probably have to stick with some of the, the, the mid-level publishers until we can build up more more credit, because that was our first book. Gotcha. Well, yeah, and that actually leads me right into my next question, is how did you get the uh, Action Lab stamp on Voracious? How did that, that process go about? Did you pitch it just like you're attempting to do now, or did they, I mean, did you, was it funded through Kickstarter and then eventually went Action Lab? How did that process work? Um, we didn't pitch it to Action Lab right away. What we did, Jason and I, we wanted to do the whole first issue, so we did it and self-printed it. And it was under another name. It was called Cretaceous at the time. Okay. And um, it was a 48-page number one issue in black and white, um, an Ashcan um, version of it. But it was better than an Ashcan. It wasn't like a you know one of those little pamphlets. It was like an actual right. comic with a glossy cover, and it's big because oh, okay. it has 48 pages. So we, we printed that up, and we sold it at uh, the first C2E2 in uh, Chicago. We only made about 100 copies of it. But we also used it to pitch it to, to companies. It was in black and white. We didn't have a colorist at the time. But also to get feedback and stuff like that. And uh, um, I've been uh, friends with Brian Azzarello for a while, and so he was really helpful to me because he looked over the book. And you know he really liked Jason's artwork, and he gave me some tips on uh, – how to streamline the book a little bit and on how to pitch it. Cause I didn't really know how to pitch, you know, I made like fancy folders and everything. He's like, yeah, you don't need all this stuff. He introduced me to a couple of people. And so that was really cool. Um, so we pitched it and uh, we, we had a publisher for it, um, but it just didn't work out with, with the publisher um, in the beginning, and they, they suggested the name Voracious, too. They thought we should change the name because people wouldn't really know what Cretaceous is. I'm not sure people really know what Voracious means either, but mo- people are going to get that more than they're going to get Cretaceous. So, you know, it was fine. as an amicable split there. We never really signed a contract for it, but we decided that um, we would go back and retool it because that original Ash can super wordy. There's things that I learned, you know, even though I've read comics all my life, Brian, when you're doing it, it's different. You don't really know everything you need to know until you actually do it. So it was just, it was really wordy. Jason wanted to fix some things in the artwork. The the staple where it would open on the spread was in the, in the laboratory, you know, which is a lot of dialogue in the, the final version, but in the original version, it's like almost all dialogue. And that's the first thing you open to. Oh, gotcha. And that's a thing that you shouldn't do, you know. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't know that, I didn't realize all that stuff. Um, but I'm glad we did that first one because it helped us. You know, we we were learning how to make comics as we did Voracious. 
Well, it's a great lesson to teach for sure. Because I know that there's a lot of aspiring, you know, creators on here. So these are all. I'm sure there's a bunch of people taking notes right now. I think you're the first person to actually suggest print an ash can, take it to a convention. So that's 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 a great note. The thing you got to do, you just got to do the comic, you know, especially that first one. You know, now when I do pitches, we might do a few pages, then pitch it, see what happens with it. And then if we don't get a publisher, maybe we'd go and self-publish it because we believe in the concept. Like, I don't like to abandon comics because I think all the comics that I'm creating are, are worth getting out there. But when you're first starting, man, you don't know what's going to happen. And it's it's the competition's fierce. Oh, so yeah. get a comic, complete the comic, do the whole comic, and you'll be proud of it. You know, it'll it'll motivate you to do more. And you'll also see some of the mistakes that you made because – um, you might just see them yourself or you give it to somebody else who knows comics, read comics, and and they'll look at it and they might point some things out to you. And uh, you have a cool ash can, like Jason hates that. I kind of hate that ash can, but people love it because you can compare it to Voracious number one. And uh, uh, it's a little bit different. There's a couple extra pages in it. Um, that that weren't in uh, the final version. And uh, you can see how we just progressed and kind of changed and learned just from that uh, one issue. Um, so, yeah, I would highly suggest that, you know, like I said earlier in this podcast, you probably want to do short stories, you know, anthologies or a small miniseries. You probably don't want to go the, the route that, that I went, that Jason and I went. But anyways, just do it, do it, create it, make it. And, you know, and in these days, you can make a comic book and you can put it on Kickstarter. And if it does well, a publisher might see that and pick it up later. So, yeah, well, and these days, a publisher might not mean anything. It really not. I mean, it, it, being self-published might just be a normal thing because who knows what the distribution market and the direct market's going to be in uh, a couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean, oh, man. No, and there's so, a lot of uh, great creators who just go the Kickstarter route. You know, yep. uh, Ryan yeah, K. I, Lindsay has had like a bunch of books at different companies, but he puts out a Kickstarter every few months for for a new like one shot or hardcover. And those Kickstarters do gangbusters. So, and he owns all the rights to all that stuff. Yeah, and that's the, yeah, that's the way to do it too, man. And that's that's the surefire way to make sure that you own the rights. As long as you know how to, you know, move a Kickstarter, and you know, I actually suggest you shoot low on your first Kickstarter. Don't try to put out your first book as you know a ten thousand copy run, or something. You know, <laughs> you know, maybe a couple hundred. I don't know what the average is to start, but. You would make it to however many people you get for the Kickstarter, yeah. you know, maybe some extras. But so, and we've done a couple Kickstarters. We we had Action Lab. Well, your original question kind of got off track was how do we get involved with Action Lab? Well, so we retooled the book and then we pitched it to a few places. And um, there's a lot more publishers now, but Action Lab was actually my first choice. Um, I don't know if I ever said that before or told them that, but they were my first choice just because I felt like. You know, they were a good, small publisher. They were doing a lot of variety of comic books. I think there's a stigma around them that they do, you know, some kind of cheesecake books. But they really they have a like a wide palette of books. Oh, I mean, everything from going to the chapel to Sweetheart. I mean, those are so vastly different books. Um, no, they, they have a, an amazing palette to choose from. I love Action Lab. Good. It's great to hear, man. And, uh, yeah, so I like that about them. I felt like their books took chances more so, you know, than, say, like an image or something like that. So, um, yeah, we pitched them, and it, it wasn't an easy sell, actually. We had uh, we had one guy who really championed the book, and that was Dave Dwanch, who does some really, really great comics. If you haven't read uh, Cyrus Perkins and the Haunted Taxi Cab, it's just an awesome book based on uh, a real-life event where he almost died. Writing that down now. Oh yeah, yeah, you got to check that one out. It's great. It's like I think it's four issues. It's really good, and um, there's a whole backstory to him where uh, he had to go to the hospital, and that's he came up with the idea while it was in there. And um, but anyways, he, I think he I don't remember what his title was at the time. Maybe president of Action Lab. They're, they always rotate. They're, Action Lab is made up of a bunch of creators who decided they wanted to start a publisher so they could you know get their books out there. So they're all all creators and. Um, 
Um, so they kind of rotate, you know, who does what there. Um, so Dave, he might have been in charge of submissions at the time too. You know, he really liked the book, and he actually contacted me and said, you know, I really like the book, but we're kind of split on uh, on whether I should publish it because it's just so different. And uh, he's like, would you be willing to do it digitally first? Because Action Lab does that sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, you know, sure. You know, uh, that's something I'd be into. It's my first comic book. I'd like to get it out somehow. Um, but I guess over the course of us, like, working on more of the issues and then they read them, it kind of won over the people at Action Lab. And they decided, you know what? We're, ju- we're just going to do this as a regular series. And... Um, it's cool. We have the only, I believe we have the only double-sized number one issue uh, ever at Action Lab. Um, like I told you, the original Ashken was 48 pages. <laughs> so they're like, well, you know, I can't really do it. Can you get it, can you get it down? And I was like, ah, I can get it down to 36 pages. And they're like, well, we could combine the first issue and the second issue, and it would just be a dollar more. Uh, would you want to do that? I'm like, oh, definitely, because you'll, you'll get more of the story in the first issue. So we did that, and we were kind of nervous about it because they, they had never done it. It's our first comic. Nobody knows who we are. And that book sold out. So it, it was amazing. Well, people are going to love a bargain. I mean, for a dollar more, I get twice the comic? Come on. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pick that up every time. 60 pages, you know, that's even yeah. more, you know, like a Marvel might put out a double, like a, I don't know, 48 pages. And, and it'll be five ninety nine. Yeah. It'll be, or, yeah. Or even seven ninety nine. I've seen some yeah. other books, yep. you know? So that's, yeah, it was a really good deal, but will people do that if they don't know you, you know, it was the premise strong enough and apparently it was. So we're very grateful that they, they were able to do that because I didn't know how I was going to cut the first issue down and, um, I didn't have to. You got to do both. That's awesome, man. I know that, like I, I, I said not too long ago, Action Lab has been spawning some amazing stuff. I, and I, you know, I've actually, I've created some pretty awesome relationships with some Action Lab creators. Now that I think about it, I mean, Ryland Grant and David Pepos, and I mean, you guys, you guys have a stable of badassery over at Action Lab. I mean, Ringo nominated. Yeah, a lot of stuff coming up. And, uh, you know, uh, Princeless has always been one that uh, garners awards and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's just amazing, just great roster. And David's really cool. I've met him a couple times. Really high-energy dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had him on a couple of times myself. Uh, I just actually had him live on CyberCon just a few days ago. The the dude's a blast. Actually, he and Rylan both were on at the same time. It was... They're, they're my boys. I, I, the fact is, the Action Lab is producing. I think there is. It's not long before they're going from you know a mid-level publisher to, you know, Dark Horse, Image. I mean, they, they, just because they have that that variety in there in their uh, stable now. Um, no, it's really about uh, the 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 publishers, the the people that are in charge of Action Lab taking it to the next level. Mm-hmm. If they can do that, then yeah, I think I think they have the properties to. Uh, to do that with. I agree. I agree. Um, as I look, dig further into your background. I, I mean, you, you, you mentioned earlier, you have a, a, a metal podcast. I mean, so, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm an admirer of fast, heavy, loud music myself. Um, I, 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 once again, I haven't got all the way through voracious, but in what way can we expect metal to influence comics for you? Cause we know that, you know, horror and comedy, has definitely been influences for you, but I mean, does metal play a part in Voracious at all? Is that the next project? What's what's happening with that? Because I, I, as a metalhead myself, I gotta know. <laughs> um, I would love to do something metal. I actually had two comics that I was working on that were very metal, but then some other things came out that were just too similar to it. Ah. One of which was Murder Falcon by Dan. That's actually my favorite comic ever written, or my favorite uh, mini-series of all time ever written in the history of comics. I love Murder Falcon more than anything I've ever read. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good book, you know. It's very 80s metal. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, so there was that, and um, there was another book that used, like, Dante's Inferno or something, and I had a similar idea to that. And so every time I've tried to start these metal 
<laughs> comic, something else comes along before I can really get going on it. And uh, so, um, yeah, I've got plenty of ideas that are metal and I really want to do them because I like Murder Falcon a lot, but the comics that I see coming out from metal, they're always like, um, I don't know, they always um, rely on the cheesy part of metal. Oh, and yeah. Even- <laughs> I want to see some like death metal shit. You know what I mean? I want to see some black metal stuff. But that's the thing is we haven't seen that. Like, uh, like, like you said, I mean, Murder Falcon, it's actually so much more than cheese when you really get down to it. Yes. Murph is a big cheesy character, you know, the, the, the metal avatars, but the actual message itself. Yeah. It's real deep, but it's not really metal. It's, it's like, here's a story driven by metal. Um, Metal Shark Bro, fucking love me some Metal Shark Bro, but the, that's it's nothing but laughing throughout. I, I mean, you're you're gonna laugh twice every single panel. It's uh, it, it's metal, but I read that and I I liked it, I enjoyed it, but um, I can tell they're not really into metal. You know, like uh, I know Daniel Warren Johnson's really into metal because I've had conversations about metal with him, and he mm-hmm. plays guitar, and so he's into metal. And um, you know, there's a, a black metal character in the book too right. which is cool yeah um, but yeah i want to see like a serious like really metal book <laughs> Th- this is your calling man you this is your calling uh let's let's, let's make that happen because I, I would feel much more comfortable with it coming from somebody that is as serious about metal as you know you obviously are so yeah man, i, I mean know. i would argue i mean some horror books are pretty metal you know, because that's a big theme in it. And I think all the horror is fucking metal. <laughs> and fantasy books, obviously. You know, there's a lot of good fantasy books out there. They could be pretty metal. Um, I, the the newer book that I'm working on, um, yeah, it's got a lot. It's got a bit of metal in it, for sure. Right on. Cool. Um, but you also have to take into consideration your collaborators. Like, Jason is not metal at all. You know? Ah. He's like a... He's, you know, he's like a suburban white kid. He's into like pop music and stuff, which is fine. Everybody likes what they like. But uh, so to do metal with him, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. You know, even though I'm like, oh, make this guy more metal or something. Jason doesn't, he doesn't really understand how to do that. So I have to find a way that um, when I write stories that make him happy or, or any of the, the artists or collaborators that I work with, you know, I want them to, to feel like they're definitely part of the process they're co-creating this thing with me and the way to do that is that you do things that they really love and identify with and um so i gotta find like a really metal (laughs) creator there are some out there for sure um Hey, check. Well, may, maybe uh, Brennan Small's floating around the the Death Clock IP or something. Maybe he needs somebody writing some Death Clock stories. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you read any of the Death Clock comics. I mean, yeah, they, they're they're cheesy and everything, but they're still they're still metal. Like they know they know so much. Yeah. It's so informed yeah. by um, yeah. real life metal and and the music and stuff. You know, it, it's funny and but I feel like that they, that always happens. Every single book, it's got to be funny. Mm-hmm. With metal. And that's fine. Like I still enjoy them, but I just want to see something that's not that's just serious. Um. Yeah. No. I know exactly what you mean about uh the, the everything's got to be funny, man. Everything's got to be funny, and I guess I kind of get it, but at the same time, I mean, I'm I'm putting the ball in your court now. This is this is your this is it. <laughs> see, like I said, I mean, I the project I'm working on, Jason, is definitely has touches of metal in it, and then I have some really like dark black metal type stuff that i'd love to do but uh you know we'll see how it goes right on uh, i i like to work on one thing at a time usually just because i got so much else going on uh but lately i have been trying to work on more ideas and there's some people who want to collaborate with me on projects so uh, i'm trying to increase the, the amount of comic stuff um, but i'm also trying to write prose and just a lot going on. Even with the, like I said, the whole uh, pandemic doesn't really affect me that much. I'm pretty much on the same schedule as I was before, so I don't have like the extra time to devote. But uh, but we'll get there. I'm pretty excited about some of the new projects. Uh, yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I can understand the the roadblocks on you know branching out and trying to create more than one thing because it's not easy to make a comic. It's not. It's hard to make one comic, and then when you have all these ideas, and then you have a you know a set team that you desire to work with, and 
you know the 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 cogs don't necessarily line up as far as storyline and styles this these are the these are the difficulties that creators face on a day-to-day basis so when a comic does get made it's it's got to be the perfect storm you know, it's all the more reason to respect it yeah and i've i mean i've had other artists to work on one of them was a really metal project probably the like darkest thing i've ever written but the artist just just he just turned out to be a disaster so uh i had to just kill that project but yeah there's a lot of uh, hurdles to to overcome and uh um and i like to just put everything i have into the to a one book you know i'm not really i don't like to spread it out too much um i just want to focus my energies on that one story and be involved in that for a while and then i would move on to something else um jason wanted to do you know let's do a a number of different pitches and pitch that i'm like well you know what's a good exercise i'll try doing that so we we have been doing that a little bit but but yeah with voracious my whole idea with that book was i want to do something i really love and i want to put everything in in the book that i love and make it work and if if it's the last thing the only thing i ever do then i'm good with it that that's how i feel about the book Cool, man. Well, I, that's that. That actually leads me into uh, one of my one of my last major questions here is how what would you like your legacy in this industry to be? You know, you 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 you're it's twenty years down the road, fifty years down the road, and people are saying, Ah, Marcus Onasso, I remember him. He did. What do you? I mean, what do you want it to? What do you want that? How that? How would you like that sentence to end? Oh, geez. Um, you know, I don't know if I. Care? I'm too metal to care about that. Ah, oh, dude, that's a fucking metal answer. Thank you. <laughs> Validated. Validated. That's. I just write stories that I love, and if people come to it and, I, and can identify with the characters or enjoy those stories, that's fucking awesome. Um, I really appreciate that. I didn't expect that. There's we get so many letters from people, and like, people have made action figures of our characters and stuff. I didn't expect any of that. You know, all the reviews we've gotten are pretty amazing. So I didn't expect any of that. I just wanted to do a comic book because I love comics, you know. And our comic is, you were talking about this at the top of the hour. Some comics, they're definitely comics. They're hard to to put into a different um, genre like movies or TV. Our comic is really hard to do that. (laughs) <laughs> and I know because Hollywood has voracious and they, I don't think they know how to handle it and they don't know nope. if they're going to have the budget for it because uh, the, you haven't read all of them, but just wait to see what happens in that because um, it's a comic, you know, it's, it's written to be a comic and not anything else. So, yeah, yeah I you, think you can't have the Iron Man suit and dinosaurs within the same budget. You just can't do that. <laughs> I mean, that's because essentially that's kind of what voracious is. I mean, at least what I gra- grabbed out of the first uh, few chapters. I mean, that's that's a big part of it, where that money is going to go. Yeah. You know, um, the thing I that I really like with voracious and, and I hope people get it is that it's a book you can read and enjoy on the surface level where it's a fun book. Um, there's a lot of cool action in it. You know, there's good humor in it and everything. Um, there's drama and good character moments, but there's a lot of uh, layers to that book. Uh, so if you wanted to actually look deeper uh, to see how that unfolds, I think you you get more out of it. And there's definitely people who have uh, pointed that out. Um, so, yeah, I think a legacy as a writer, if I was going to pick one, is just that, like, you know, Marcus on put his all into the comic books and, you know, it was rewarding every time uh, we picked it up. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, well, I think that we've got tons and tons to pick from as far as what, what you've allowed us to, <laughs> the brain that you've opened up to us at least. But now I got to kind of, I do something towards the end of all of these uh, creator corners and I do some sort of rapid fire questioning of some sort. Sometimes I'll just do word association. Sometimes I'll just have questions out there that, you know, relate to you as the artist in some way, shape or form. Some of them are kind of white bread questions, but and I still find them to be uh, pivotal, pivotal and directing our way towards, you know, the avenue that is your brain. So, um, uh, I mean, if, if you're down to do this, I'd like you to put as little thought into these questions as possible. <laughs> First thing that comes to mind, uh, favorite... We'll go. No, no, just answer him, man. 
Uh, favorite dinosaur? Uh, Archaeopteryx. Okay. Uh, favorite metal band? Wow. Favorite metal band? That is a really hard question. Chemist. Nice. Uh, the last comic you read? Uh, Marauders. Nice. Uh, the best hero? In comics or any hero? Uh, in comics. Best hero in comics. Wow, that's really kind of a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> best hero? Mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Right on. Uh, the villain that you're most attracted to in all of comics. And I don't like verbalizing it as favorite villain because it seems like celebrating evil, but uh, the, the villain that you're most attracted to. Hella. All right. And uh, your favorite single issue of comics of all time. I think we know the answer to this. Favorite single issue? Like, is that in a series or just like could it be graphic novel or something? Uh, just your, your, your favorite 20-page comic oh yeah i mean it's gotta be batman 431 that's right damn right man uh i i love it this gives me plenty to gnaw on um i i look forward to a, a dude i'll never be able to pronounce the name of that dinosaur but archaeopteryx uh, <laughs> archaeopteryx i didn't think my mouth could work that way right on um, yeah, no, this, this gives me lots to, lots to chew on. That's for sure. Uh, Marcus, I've, I've had an amazing time talking to you. Uh, before we go, can you let the fans know what to expect out of you? What's not so 2020 look like? Uh, well, right now I'm working on a short story for an anthology book. It's prose writing for Outland Entertainment, and they do games and stuff like that. And uh, it's actually a, a dinosaur barbarian story that I'm writing. So it's pretty fun. They found Voracious, and they they uh, they asked me to do a dinosaur story, anything I wanted. So I love Conan because he's the most metal. Oh, yes. So I'm <laughs> doing a dinosaur uh, barbarian story, which is pretty fun. I've never really written prose uh, but it's something i've kind of wanted to do and uh doing a short story is a good way to like flex those muscles and see if i could actually you know make it successful so i'm working on that and then you know we have a number of different pitches that uh, hopefully we'll get at a publisher uh, when the world starts back up again and um you know if you're into metal definitely check out the metalheads podcast uh, it is the best metal podcast out there um my the boys and I we love metal. We're we have an encyclopedic knowledge of metal. We interview metal bands on there. So Metalheads Podcast. Uh, you can go to metalheadspodcast.com. It's on every streaming service. You know iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that's that's what I'm going to be up to. I'm going to be working on some uh, other new comics pretty soon. So. Uh, I don't know what's coming out this year, but uh, but uh, you can uh, follow me at marcuson.com or uh, follow me on the social media, and I'll be making announcements as they come out. That's awesome, man. Well, you, I mean, consider me a fan and a follower on on all your platforms. I'm going to be subscribing to the Metalheads podcast. I'm always looking for something new to check out, and love me some metal. So I'm 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 interested in in your takes. That's for sure. Well, it was great talking to you. Thanks for having me on the cast. Uh, you're doing a great job of like doing uh, some deep dives into to people's uh, stories and their their work. So I always love those kind of podcasts. Well, I I appreciate the creators giving me a reason to do that. So uh, thank you, Marcuson, and we will be in touch, my friend. All right, have a good one. You as well. Stay safe. Cheers. Boom, another interview in the books. A creator has been cornered. That was Marcus Nasso. If you don't know who he was or didn't know who he was going into this, at this point, I'll be damned. I don't know. I don't know what to say if you don't know who he is by now. We really got into it. The guy knows how to... Uh... <laughs> yeah, man, I admire his talents. Let's put it that way. I really admire his talents. Uh, you know, you know, I'm gonna have links and descriptions and all that stuff at the bottom of the podcast. If, you know, get all your information as to where to find him, his social media accounts, and all of that good stuff. So, 
I hope you were to pull something out of this interview. Uh, I know I did, for sure. I, I always get something awesome out of these creator corners. That's why I don't just have anybody on the podcast. Only the people that I really, really want to have on here. Because I know that they're going to give me something, which in turn I can give back to you. So, uh, alright, yeah, no, that's uh, that's that that's that podcast. That's a podcast. Uh, as always, i got to remind you to support this podcast by leaving five-star reviews on Apple or uh, Podchaser, or wherever you leave reviews. I can't stress how important it is to the growth of this podcast. I know, based off the amount of downloads I have compared to the amount of reviews I have, 97% of you fuckers aren't leaving reviews, so I'm guilting you here. Make sure you go, you leave an Apple review uh, and a Podchaser review, or anywhere else you can leave a review for that matter. Also, become a member of the Slurred Army officially by joining Patreon, patreon.com slash cheers to comics for as little as a dollar. A single dollar. I know y'all got a bunch of checks for like 1200 bucks. Uh, <laughs> it's like 1200 months of subscriptions, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 100 years. How's that? With your stimulus check, that buys you 100 years as a member of the Slurred Army. I can't think of a better way to spend your money. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. In all seriousness, uh, becoming a member of the Slurred Army and by joining Patreon, you are you will you do get exclusive access to ad-free content and uh, yeah, all types of goodies. So that's it. It's officially been a podcast. I have to remind you, apparently, to wash your hands after you touch the radio and turn it down or your phone or whatever the fuck you're listening to this here podcast on. And, uh, read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers. Hi, you're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast. Hey, everyone, I'm Monty Michael Moore, and this is the Cheers to Comics podcast with Brian Wayne. In a world of utter randomness, one podcast stood up from the bunch, and it was the amazing world of talking shiz. <coughs> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, it's just mainly randomness. And focus is definitely not being not focused there. on at all. No, uh, our podcast is definitely um, no theme at all it's literally random and talk about literally everything and throwing in random jokes at any given time we're on spotify apple and google podcasts so go ahead tune in new episodes weekly and we're international international very very well so tune in follow us on twitter see you there